Hey there, Second City Hockey listeners, it's Dave Melton here, and before we get to the show, I wanted to let you in on a little secret. All of those ads you just heard, if you want to listen to the show without them, visit secondcityhockey.com and sign up for either one of our subscription tiers, where the perks include ad-free versions of the Musings on Madison podcast. And with the first overall selection in the 2023 NHL Draft, the Chicago Blackhawks are very proud to select from the Regina Pats, the Western Hockey League, Connor Bedard. Welcome in to another episode of Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dave Melton, the site manager for Second City Hockey. You can find me on Twitter at dmelt 57 I've got all my line mates back with me this evening, but before we bring them in, just want to let you know if you want to continue supporting our continued existence on the internet, leave us a five-star review wherever it is you're listening to your podcast. Say something nice about us in the reviews. You leave us four stars or less, we'll assume you're a Blues fan or maybe even a Red Wings fan after this weekend. Uh, SecondCityHockey.com is the place for everything we do around these parts. Uh, Blackhawks, there's uh, the news updates with the Hawks, game previews, game recaps for every game, discussion threads as well, so you can talk some puck during the game with some fellow Blackhawks fans. We've also got prospect reports. Uh, Betsy had the NCAA one coming out uh, at the website on Tuesday, which so we're going to get into discussion later. But if you want to read about that, that is at the website. But to get into the exclusive content like that, uh, you have to be part of the subscription tiers that we have at the website that is another way to continue supporting this whole thing five dollars a month for the Corey crawford tier 10 bucks a month for the counter bedard tier uh unique perks for each category that helps keep us all going as does uh further support with the merchandise that is up at the website as well with all of that out oh one other thing i forgot to mention if you're one of the people in that counter bedard tier and you did not get the little merchandise bag that we sent out earlier this season Please let us know. Email us at uh, secondcityhockey at gmail.com or tweet me or whatever and let us know. And I'll send that out to you because we still have plenty of those to give away um, for the people who signed up for it. So now let's bring in all the line mates with us this evening. Up first, he's on Twitter at Mill182 and he is the Second City Hockey. What Matt Marshall is to show the white feather, it's Mill Savage. I'm on X at Mill182. I, fine. I, I still. Oops. It's more like at this point, it's more force of habit. I think there was like a week or two where I was militant, like just to be just because the the douchebag running the whole thing. I wanted to keep calling it Twitter. Now it's just like, I'm just going to call it Twitter. I just, oh, I'm, I'm with you. I'm just, now. I'm just joking. I still refer to it as Twitter. It's, it's kind of, it, it, it's been the same type of platform forever. And I don't really see it as anything else than what it's been. So fuck it. Yeah. It's a, uh, I, I still, I still feel like there's still like little pockets of it that are still fun. Cause I still feel like there's still little corners of it. You can find where uh, the sports conversations are still fun, but yeah. Like the like, baseball pants. <laughs> oh God. I, I, I well, mill and you know who's just got the uh, the hockey jerseys for next season? It's those same people. So man, we're gonna be showing Dong on Ice. <laughs> Come see our new Disney special, Dong on Ice. Hashtag coming showing to, ass coming to on a the timeline. <laughs> uh, 
Hey, that X, ties it's, in, it's called X now for X rated. That kind of ties in with our pre-show discussion about suds and loofahs. So, <laughs> uh, Second well, City Hockey After Dark. I'm really glad we did not record that. Yeah. Oh, speaking of After Dark, by the way, if we randomly have to cut in the middle of this episode, it's because I lost power because these hellacious storms that are running through the Chicagoland area seem to be on their way to my front door right now. Um, Cheers. So, yeah. yeah. Also with us this evening, she's not on Twitter, but she's at secondcityhockey.com under the name LBR, where she is the Second City Hockey Bull and Wall of Text. It's Betsy. I wouldn't want like a tornado, but I would like it to rain down here because it's humid as hell, and it should at least rain if it's going to be like a sauna. <laughs> like yeah. this, should, it's if it's going to be cold, it should snow. If it's going to be humid, it should rain. It should be a nice calm thunderstorm right um i want to sleep in a thunderstorm those are the best yeah it's a little uh, early for my bedtime unfortunately as this storm is rolling through and um it's just it's a lot of fun that it was in the low to mid 70s today depending on where you were and then i think tomorrow it's going to start off like in the 20s oh it's like <laughs> the high tomorrow is like 77 here must be, um, must be nice. but it's all sweat like it's gross <laughs> Grossness. Um, I hate everything. If I could stay indoors, I would. Unfortunately, I cannot tomorrow. Um, yeah, gross. <laughs> but I would like a. Th- if it was thunderstorming, it would be better. Why do we always talk about weather when it's my? <laughs> <laughs> We're almost to the pollen states, so all like the pollen part of the year. So I'm going to start complaining about that soon. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, that. Well, this is your annual list of your your rotation of grievances. That yeah. we have for the, it's for the either, South. <laughs> yeah. It's the Ask a Southerner food segments or a Southerner's grievances uh segments at the opening of the show. So that's how it's how we keep things keep things multicultural on this platform here. <laughs> also with us this evening on Twitter at Eric GEG, and he is the official Second City Hockey Pizza correspondent, Eric Gagenheimer. If ever there was a perfect metaphor for Chris Chelios's time with the Chicago Blackhawks, it would be playing the Red Wings with a roster that is far less talented, trying really hard and still losing anyways. So that just felt like perfect summation on Sunday afternoon slash early evening. Well, that's a, a perfect segue into what we were going to start talking about uh, with the, the, the big headline from the last week or so was the Chelios game, the Chelios retirement ceremony on Sunday. And then Patrick Kane showing up and saying, fuck you. This is my party. Um, it just, it was, like you said, it was kind of a perfect way to uh, commemorate Chelios and and everything, just kind of a perfect uh, summation of everything about him uh, with the way his career unfolded. And uh, I don't, did, they, did you have any, like, did anything about that night stand out to you as like, other than what you expected? Like, I feel like it was like the ceremony was cool. Chelios gave like said everything you would have expected him to. I don't think there was any booze that I heard. Right. Nobody got booed. Thankfully. Somebody in the um, comment section said that's okay. Um, that Davidson and somebody else, uh, was it D- uh, Danny Wirtz and Kyle yeah. Davidson? Allegedly. Yeah. Supposedly got like scattered booze, but I didn't hear that on the broadcast personally, but I don't know if they were there or if anybody else was there and heard it or what. I was saying booze. Yeah. 
<laughs> I, this is as I think one of the replies to that comment was that people in Chicago just reflexively boo the owner and the GM every time, just because. Nine out of ten times. Nine out of ten times. That's correct, though. Yes. It's, it's Chicago True. owners, GMs, etc. Not very overall great. No, no. But like those two, those two are very new to their job, so they don't have time to amass any disdain out of the fan base. Um, so I feel like booing yeah, unless, you're, break them in. unless you're booing Danny's last name, which whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I thought it was like, it was hilarious that Kane stole the whole show and that when it was some supposed to be Chris Chelios's day. And by the end of the night, all people were talking about was Patrick Kane. And that's like, uh, I, it just that like, I don't know. It, it kind of just reminds me like the main thing I was thinking about in relation to Chris Chelios, uh, before and at, during and after the game was that every time I like most of the things that come to mind with Chris Chelios is the disappointment of when he got traded. That was pretty much the end of any hopes of that team ever being anything good other than one fluky season in Oh one Oh two. Like that team was dreadful. Uh, would have been a good comparison with uh, some of these teams that we've seen the last few seasons. Um, so, uh, so it's like, it's not really like, anger directed towards Chelios. It's just more like the disappointment of an, an air, uh, a decade that did not bring home a championship. Um, so seeing him, like, I'm glad he got his, his followers, all that, whatever it's, it's over. Now we can get on to the, the more recent Hawks and the next round of retirements or whatever. But I don't know, Eric, I, do you have any other thoughts about that? Because by the end of, uh, I, I was like borderline, like, overdosing on Chelios. I'm like, all right, I've had enough. I'm good now. I don't need any more. Well, yeah, I think that was the initial part. I do appreciate that he's apparently as big of a Brent Seabrook fan as I am. Yes. Um, he had a lot of great things to say about him. And I mean, and, and that was, I guess, kind of a cool moment. If you want to look at stuff that maybe wasn't necessarily scripted was him, you know, acknowledging the four guys, you know, that were sitting up there together and then talking a little bit about, you know, Kane while he was on the Detroit bench, um, you know, the Blackhawks are pretty good at those ceremonies, I would say, overall. Um, there was a lot of cool stuff. And but, yeah, it's it's interesting. You know, I'm of the age and we talked about this previously that, you know, I think he meant a little bit more to me, like I was a little bit more aware um, when he was there and as his time finished. But it's been such a long time. And I think still there's a little bit of you know, and it's, it's been in print and he even went to say, you know, he doesn't care. He's happy to share the number of Seabrook whenever Seabrook gets put up there too. And I guess there was, you know, there was an onus. There was a reason why they wanted him to have this moment on his own. And maybe it's because of the heritage thing. Maybe it's because, you know, Kaylee kind of came back into the organization and then he's come back into the organization. Organization. I can't talk all of a sudden. Or- organization. Um, <laughs> thank you. Um, you know, the so program. they wanted to, <laughs> fully turned the page, um, the freaking team. So, you know, it, yeah, but the, the game, there was no, there's no like bite to it anymore, you know? And that's another thing that we've talked about previously. Like it was weird to play the Red Wings and have it be kind of like warm and fuzzy and like, Oh look, there's Alex to bring it. No, look, there's Kane. And uh, my favorite moment of the whole night was when Bedard checked Kane. Like that yes. was, that was the highlight of the game for me. Um, and I like that. And I, th- I think that's been the overarching theme is we've all kind of moved on. 
so if this was kind of like a final goodbye to Chelios or like an acknowledgement, you know, for the time he spent and just how good he was, like, then that's what that was. And we kind of turn the page and move on. And, you know, there's, there's hopefully lots of lots more Chelios level, Seabrook level, those types of players, you know, that will be coming into this organization uh, in the next few years. So I think it's time to just look forward to those guys and, you know, that was Kane's big first game back. It's done. It's over. You know, I don't think it has to happen every single time he comes back now with whatever team that is in the future. Um, but you know, it, it felt like that's how it had to go, especially once it went to overtime, you knew he was going to be out there. So, you know, narratively it's either going to be him or Bedard. So it's going to be, you know, like, Oh, he comes back and, you know, of course Kane had to do it. Or if Bedard would have scored, Oh, of course, you know, it's the new guy's turn, like get out of the way, old man. So, you know, it, it felt like it was going to be one of the two of them either way. I'm going to come back to the Kane thing in a little bit, but I wanted to throw it over to our resident uh, rememberer of guys mill to uh, like, this was one of the ultimate let's remember some guys night because Chelios kind of played that during his speech. Uh, did you have any takeaways from everything from Sunday's free game festivities? Yeah. I mean, definitely a lot of guy remembering. Um, I was happy to see a lot of the guys, the actual good guys, not just some guys, but um, no, you know, Chelios, I, I mean, I became a fan of hockey, around the time that this trade happened. So I have more of the memories of how upset people were. Um, and you know, sports media was different. There was no social media. Like what you got was the news and the paper really. And, and the blue line, I guess if you were buying it at the games. Um, but, uh, Chelios, I, I don't think a lot of people maybe of my generation know how awesome he actually was. Like he was fucking incredible. So, you know, well-deserved. I hope Seabrook gets the honor with him. I think he's a different type of player a little bit, but just as important in the overall grand scheme of things. But it was good to see some of our guys. Um, noticeably absent was Taves. And obviously Crawford yeah. for more obvious reasons. Yeah. The, uh, somebody mentioned that in the comments that, that Taves wasn't there. And, I mean, I didn't think anything of it during the game until I saw someone mention it. And it was like... You know, I mean, I don't I don't know if Taves and Chelios were close or not, whatever. It just it was there was a lot of other people there, like Duncan Keith was on camera a few times. So there was a lot of other Hawks from that era there. Um, right. So I guess well, he was a captain. So it's like yeah. kind of weird. Yeah, exactly. Because from what I've heard, he's not doing anything public like he hasn't. He's not retired technically, right? No, no he's not. He he's not he's retired. Gonna try, he's going to try again next season. But yeah, he hasn't. Even for like articles and stuff, he won't respond to phone calls. He'll occasionally like text people back or like primarily he'll email people back. And he just did a video for somebody who got who got their number retired for North Dakota um, for the school. But that's the first time anybody's like seen him, seen him in quite a while. Well, I um, and he looked, that. Yeah, he looked good. He looked like he was healthy, but it sounds like, and that's at first I was kind of like, well, that's kind of weird. He's not there, but it is, it's Chelios and you know, he kind of famously, the relationship with Kane isn't maybe as, you know, buddy, buddy as everybody thinks. Um, but it sounds like it's more just kind of like he's a private person and he's taking his time for right now, at least. I, and that's totally fine. I think my, comment was more or less based on my immediate reaction because in the grand scheme of things when you think of that group 
obviously Kane's on the ice, but you're thinking like those guys in the box. And then you're like, well, Crawford clearly doesn't want to be around. And then 19 is the, you know, the guy missing. Yeah. For That's sure. all I was kind of saying, but no, you're, I respect that. I mean, I hope he's doing okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, Chelios, like obviously the wings thing left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. So the, uh, and we'll, like you said, Dave, we'll come back to the cane thing, but the, uh, the, the way the game played out kind of mirrored that I thought, mm-hmm. but, uh, I, I, I think Chris Chelios, I mean, it's, it's well-deserved. He was a, a very good player. It was a different era. You know, we don't have the type of analytics and stuff, but I think he was maybe just a little bit ahead of his time when he came into the league and it carried out and he played till he was like 49 or something. Yeah. Yeah. The main thing I, I think, uh, or I would say about Chelios that I, like, again, similar to you, Mill, like I don't have the most robust knowledge of, you know, he got traded when I was 12. So I didn't know much about hockey other than like, you know, the the final score. Like I wasn't breaking down film or anything. Uh, but just from everything you read and all the things players are talking about with regards to Chelios is just that he was kind of an asshole <laughs> to, to play against. Uh, he, he was vicious around the net. And Patrick Kane actually told a story. And I, as he's telling the story, I feel like I vividly remember, I don't know if I was at this game or just saw it on TV, but the Hawks had a five on four. Kane was in the vicinity of the net and Chelios just started cross-checking him ruthlessly, like eight, nine, 10 times in a row. And then finally the ref, like, Decided, all right, I guess I got to call it. And Chelios continued cross-checking Kane. He's like, well, now I'm getting the penalty. I might as well get more shots in. Uh, And then the Hawks got a five on three and scored on it. I think Ben Pope is the one who tweeted about it, that Kane told that story on on Saturday or Sunday before or after the game at some point. And that was, that was kind of indicative of what Chelios did. He had a, he was a very good, you know, both ends of the ice type of defenseman, but he had an absolute snarl to him in an era when you could be that type of defenseman a lot more than you can now. Um, yeah. It was like Scott Stevens asked, except he could play offense. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, if I remember correctly, Betsy, when we asked you about the Chelios thing, you were kind of in a similar boat as Mill and I, and that you did not have as much of the emotional attachment to his playing days. So I wanted to swing around to the cane thing, um, and just wanted to get what what was your reaction to the you know the whole the Patrick Kane show that everything became on Sunday? Uh, it was fine. I mean, I told you guys like last week that once a player is gone, I don't pay attention to them that much um, because I unless they go to a team, I already like. If they went to the Canes, I would follow them a little bit more, or to the Caps because I follow them because I have a, I have friends that are both into those two teams. Um, so I watch those teams regularly with them. Um, but if you're not on one of those teams, I don't follow you that much. And that like, even if you're on those teams, like everybody knows I was a big Dylan Strom fan and he's on one of the teams that I follow outside of the Blackhawks more closely. And I'm still, I still don't care that much, you know, like it's not yeah. of my stuff is invested in the Hawks. So um, it was, it was a, uh, it was like I said in the recap, it's hard to be upset about what happened in the game because it helped the Blackhawks. The Blackhawks need the best odds for the things. Um, it brought back good memories for people who loved Kane. Um, and to bring it, I was very, I was, I was actually more excited. I don't know why I was like, oh, here we go. <laughs> I will, I was like, I forgot somebody again, someone in, I think it was Deesky, uh in New York mentioned in the comments that, uh, 
because I mentioned like I asked like did did they ever shout out to Brinkett? But he got his like curtain call when he came yeah. back with Ottawa last season. But I felt like his like he was a forgotten thing when he played five or six years in Chicago too. Yeah, well, I feel like um, if like I would if I would feel more. I don't know, a game coming back for, like I said, Seabrook would have been, because I didn't have a big feeling about when uh, Keith played or uh, Jonathan played or, you know, other people that left, there weren't that many of them that played on other teams after the cup wins. You know, it was only, it's only those three, right? Because Seabrook retired. Well, Sharp. Sharp retired. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, he went to Dallas. I've, I'm just going to pretend that didn't happen. Um, <laughs> I, does anybody really remember that? No. no. Um, I guess uh, I see. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't I just don't follow them afterwards. So um, it brought back some fun, you know, nostalgia a little bit, but not to the point where. Like if I had been in the st- like I wouldn't have paid extra money to go to a game like that. Like I can understand why some people would, but it just that's not my thing. Um, and Kane wasn't my guy. If it had been Hosa, maybe yeah. you know, like there there are other guys on the team that I was much I was deeper connected to. So um, it was fun. I was like, you know, I was like, it's actually a perfect story, you know, mm. because Blackhawks played hard. You can't fault them for that. Um, Bedard was good. Bedard got in, got in the hit. He got him an assist. Really, it was his shot. You know, um, when Felino was one of the stars, I was like, for being a backboard, like, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, he, Vlasic had a good game. I thought Seth Jones looked great. Um, you know, it's hard to fault that, and people got their money's worth. So good for that. I I gotta just say one thing in response, like to go like because of Kane. I know people who went to the game for Chelios because they're a little older than me, like guys I know from season tickets. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense to go to his retirement number. But I feel like if it wasn't his retirement, I don't because of how bad the Hawks are. Do you think a lot of people would have even went for Kane, even if that was like their favorite player? Oh, I I think Kane would have absolutely would have been an attraction by himself even without the Chelio stuff. I do I guess I, I guess I'm in Betsy's boat where I'm just like whatever I, about I think, him. Yeah, like like I I'm uh, I'm with you too. I'm I'm in that same boat like when we talked last week like I didn't even know Kane was at a point per game pretty much until we looked right. at the stats right during while we were talking. Um so I had no idea who's actually like the, Yeah, the crowd him. the crowd was really into him. Like they literally would okay. not stop. They had to like make them stop cheering for this, him. This is the one thing. Now, look, the Hawks Red Wings rivalry is dead and it's been dead since Seabrook sent them to the Eastern conference 12 years ago. Jesus, 12 years ago, 11 years Ugh. ago now. Um, but you have to do that retirement against them. Yeah, no, but, but like I, I give them the ovations and all that, but I, I kind of wish they would have booed after he scored the game winning goal. Like not a, like, not the like derisive boo that like, you know, not like a fuck you. I hate you more of like when somebody makes fun of you or somebody gets you really good with some sort of comeback and you can't really top that comeback. So you just go, fuck you. Yeah. So, like in a lighthearted way, is, that's how he, they should have booed him and then name him the number one star, give him one more ovation and see you later. Had I been in the audience enjoying like 14 domestic light beers, that's an exciting night. Yeah, I probably would have given him the same reaction that Kirby Doc got in that one shootout. Yeah, I mean, yeah, well, like 
it's a little bit it's a it's a little bit different though because like for not not doc kane obviously that's really different. oh i'm just joking. i'm just making a joke but even kane like he he looked kind of teary-eyed when he was like after the third lap and then at the end when he was waving and then he did say a really nice thing about like my heart will always be in chicago with the fans in chicago or something like that yeah. and it just kind of it did cement the whole like they honestly didn't treat like i'm i'm totally cool with them having moved on from Taves and Kane. I don't I don't know if I 100% agree with the reasoning, but I understood it and I'm fine with it, you know? Like it's a new era, turn the page, it's done, right? Um but I don't know if they really treated those guys at the end of that great. It doesn't sound like the way that they went about talking to Taves and Kane were great. And then I've and I know it was Bowman who did it to Crawford, but like what they did to Crawford always like like, I mean, when, when he talks about how he cried for days afterwards, you know, yeah. like, yeah, that's I like, mean, these it's are pretty real clear that they don't care that much about their players in that regime. Yeah. Like, no, yeah. But like, which is crazy because those are those players. But I um, know it's wild um, that that feels like that's uh, that's the nature of pro sports. Like it is a. Yeah, but it, but I even, get what Betsy's saying because these are like guys that will have statues probably. Yeah, yeah and, there, and there are other organizations like Tampa is a good example because every guy that they let go, like that they move on from, has talked about what a great, you know, like it was such a good, like it was a two way decision. You know, they, you know, like it didn't feel like they were reading from a script. It felt like they they like went on properly. You know, but when like it's just it's a it's an interesting thing and it's one of those things that I know rubbed people the wrong way about Taves and Kane being gone, other than the fact that they, nobody some people didn't want it to happen. Um but it's a business and I get that and I totally, you know, whatever, but I there are well, so many people that like them so much and Kane obviously still really likes Chicago and the fans here. So I wonder um, I'm how, glad he had that moment. At I least. wonder how much of that is also tied to the fact that they went like five, six years without even making the playoffs. So I like there was, I, I, I also like think you have to read between the lines a little bit. And there's a very strong reasoning, uh, you know, that has been talked about quite a bit and doesn't need to necessarily be brought up again, but there, there's a reason why they wanted to significantly turn the page on that era. Oh, of course. And yeah. like I said, yeah. I fully understand and agree that it's, it's not a, like, it's totally fine with me. I even said it, in my um, recap, I'm like, I totally understand. Um, I just think that it's it's when you hear about how certain organizations treat their guys when they're there, because that's the Blackhawks are considered like they were. They were like, oh, they treat you know their stars at least really good and like those types of guys. And then all of a sudden you have they didn't treat. Craw- they treated Crawford apparently very terribly, and again, that was the previous regime. But then they didn't do a good job of saying goodbye to a few of them, you know. Now, so yeah. um, I don't know, but they 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 went out of their way to give Keith I, a deal. He was the, he was the person where, I was going to bring up, yeah. yeah, so that he could be by his son to trade him when really he could only go to three teams in Western Canada. So, yeah, and I no, I totally get that. I'm yeah. just saying that. The way that Taves and Kane, and I mean, they talk about leaving, um, is significantly different. I guess maybe it's just they weren't 
ready to go. But yeah, um, it's it's just significantly different than how yeah. like some other teams have talked about recently. And those were the two biggest stars. And I think, and, and to Eric's point, I, th- I think there was, I, I wonder if it's different, if the circumstances are different, maybe like maybe well, the, also the, Keith's decision was his yeah. versus Kane and Taves decision was they probably wanted to stay. So it's like, yeah, that's where the, the difference is. Cause they did give Kane where he wanted, like obviously Kane, hundred percent dictated where he was going to go. Um, Cause he had a no movement clause, but there was like, people were like, Oh, they should just keep him and super, you know, be petty about it. Um, and the Blackhawks didn't do that. They made, they did bend over backwards to get him where he wanted to go. Um, I'm sure Bedard's super happy about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just, I, you know, I hope um, I'm excited about the new era. And I don't, I don't have any like hard feelings about it personally, but I can see why some people do. Um, and I think it's good that there was a little bit of closure is what I was kind of getting to with some fans. They got to see that Kane's moved on. He's doing what he wants to do somewhere else. They got to close that book and it's done. And I think we can like, you know, it's not going to be a show the next time he comes in and that kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm, I think I'm, I'm glad that that game is behind us now. Um, because I just like, like I, I, I hope it's obviously not going to happen this season. I just, I would like to get, I would like there to be buzz around a Blackhawks game because of something that is happening on ice with the current team and not a retirement or a former player coming back. Like, just give me, like, give me something, give me a reason to get excited about a game on the ice. And maybe, maybe we'll get that out of like a, a Frank Nazer uh, appearance later in the season. If he, you know, if he signs, after his college season's over. But other than that, it's like, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what else is going to be getting excited about until next season. So it hurts my heart. How dead that rivalry is. <laughs> yeah. And well, that's the I, only reason I would have joked about booing is because it's, it's yeah. like, it sucks. Do the Hawks have any rivals right now? Like, no, no. they're, they're worse. No, you have a rival when you're exactly. not anything. Well, it's absolutely. like, it's like this. That's like trying to say the Sabres had rivals for like the last however many years. But you I don't know. I think rival with the Sabres, but it's different. Like when the Hawks were this, I mean, they were really bad. I know they're really bad now, but they were really bad back in the day. And like the wings would come to town and people were fighting in the stands. Yeah, but there weren't enough. There's not enough. Yeah. Um, like players that stay between the teams yes. Yes. right now. Like there's not an established group in Chicago for them to have any real, like personal beef with people, you know, like as a team, like the closest Just, thing you I would see, have. I see both sides of that argument because there were some teams that were pretty new and would still get into it just because they were hockey, you know, weirdos. But I, I see what you're saying. Like the closest thing you could think of right now would be Brendan Smith because he injured Bedard, but he's in the other conference and he may not even be on the Devils next season. So, you know. Yeah, and a lot of people hate Murphy for some reason. All all it's going to take is a a really nasty brawl and then them to match up in the playoffs with that team and we'll have somebody. I'm telling you, we saw it a little bit with Bedard and Spencer Martin. Like, (laughs) he's he's got a little bit of that. Spencer Martin is going to go back to the AHL and never exist again. He is, but he's got it for now. But no, I think there's a little (laughs) bit of like Keith in him where he's going to cross that line. Like, he has some emotion and he's going to back it up, you know, and he's, he's 
done some stuff. You know, he stared down the fans in Florida after he scored. Like he's not just going to be like McDavid hockey robot where he's totally vanilla. So, I mean, something at some point, whether it's him going against, you know, uh, another player of his caliber or, you know, the, the team's, like it's it's hard not to look down the line and say at some point you know fingers crossed this goes as it's supposed to it's good like them and anaheim are going to be going head to head for a long time you know with the amount of talent that both of those teams have so that's something that like if you're trying to kind of horizon spot a little bit maybe it's a team like that and there's some other good younger teams too but they're they're not younger uh, well, I mean, a lot of their studs are like mid to late twenties, but I feel like we still might get a a Hawks avalanche barn burner at some point. Uh, maybe maybe in the postseason, like you might get like like two or three seasons, you might get the Hawks on the ascension in, in a playoff series, and you get the avalanche like last time around for you know their their entire thing because like they have some of their guys are locked up long term, but whether or not they can have you know eventually the 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 third and fourth line guys get raises and it all falls apart. Um, the salary cap comes for everyone eventually. So maybe there's that one like Colorado's like hanging on to their their uh, their cup window and the Hawks are the upstart team and maybe we get you know Bedard Makars uh, g- getting at each other. Can the salary cap retroactively come for the O2 wings by chance? <laughs> no, no, it cannot. Unfortunately. Shit. Shit. Okay. Thought I'd try. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I, I think uh, I did say the name Frank Nazer a little bit ago, and we're going to take a quick timeout. And on the other side of that timeout, we're going to talk about Frank Nazer and a bunch of other guys who could be some future Blackhawks because of uh, an article that came out at The Athletic a couple days ago. So come on back for all of that. Welcome back to Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. And as promised before the break, we got some Blackhawks prospect stuff to dive into. And I'm going to have Betsy start us off there because of uh, her article that ran at the website on Tuesday with the Blackhawks college prospects playing in the NCAA. But really quickly, I I just wanted to the big news from Blackhawks practice today is I think we're going to get Andreas Athen to see you back. Uh, He's been at full health. Uh, He was in the like. He was back wearing the normal practice jersey. He's taking contact. It seems like he's getting very, very close to playing again. I don't know if they specifically said he's going to play Thursday night against the Avalanche, but it seems like his return is now imminent after he's been out for four months. So there's your – If we've all been screaming for Connor Bedard to get some help. I don't know if they're going to put Athanasiu on the line with Bedard, but there's at least somebody else who has – proven to be an NHL level player that'll be back on the Blackhawks roster soon. So you got that to look forward to. Um, But now to the other side of this discussion, we wanted to talk about prospects because the athletic uh, Scott Wheeler is doing his midseason rankings. I believe they are up to number four. Now they have the Blackhawks at number seven uh, in the entire NHL with their, uh, their pool system, right? Pool system prospects, rankings, whatever the, you know what I'm trying to say. Uh, they're up to number four as I'm talking with the, the sharks there, but Betsy, I wanted to throw it over to you first because I, I, and Eric, I'll, I'll bring you in next because the most interesting part about, I thought the Scott Wheeler, uh, ranking of the Blackhawks prospects is who was at number one. Yeah. So Scott Wheeler really likes Oliver Moore. Um, he always really? has, and honestly, he, he hasn't always liked Frank Nazer and it, there's two reasons 
for this. And one of them is a positive for more and one of them is a negative for neither. The positive is that I think a lot of evaluators, including Wheeler, think that Moore has a more solid floor. Like um, he already has, he's a little bit bigger. He's got NHL speed. Um, and regardless of if he, if his offense doesn't get up there, um, he's got the instincts and speed to be able to play in the NHL as at the very least a checking line player. But a lot of people are like his floor is third line. You know, like he can, he'll probably at least be a third liner. Um, and there are a few that do think he's more likely to be a center. Um, uh, you know, um, and then the negative for Nazar is, of course, his size um, and the fact that there's not many that project him to be in this as a center, even though that's what he's playing now, which I don't really see why that's a knock against him, really. There are more winger positions available. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, those are, those are the two reasons I think. Uh, also, uh, neither has more like flashy, riskier types of skills, like skills that sometimes they do not translate, you know, like, uh, while Moors are more straight, um, direct type of skills, you know, his passing is more direct, his skating is more direct, that kind of stuff. So I think those are the, the main reasons, uh, he evaluates more over, Nazer. And it could that could end up being right. Who knows? Uh, they're only a year apart. I would think that it's hard to to compare them because Nazer was injured his mm-hmm. draft year one. And then Moore has been good since, well, juniors, but he was like good, but not um, producing prior to that. Like he was producing a little bit, but not where he was. So um It'll be interesting to see them in like two or three years. What what what's a come of them and that and, kind of thing. And we'll get into the rest of the prospects in a second. But I, I want to bring Eric in because I know he had thoughts on the whole more number one over Nazer thing. Well, I think one of the most interesting parts to me too was that Wheeler suggested Nazer should go back for his uh, yeah. junior year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was surprising. I have, I mean, it seems like a foregone conclusion, you know, in, in most of the beat writers that he's going to sign and he's never come out and said, you know, that this is his last season or anything like that. But yeah, it, it seems like, you know, everybody expects him to be up with the Blackhawks and kind of burn his first year once Michigan season's over. So that was surprising to me, but no, I mean, you know, Bet- Betsy laid it out perfectly. Um, he's, he's obviously uh, a big fan of more. I think I just assumed going in that Nazer would be number one um, because he's further along than more is right now. And I agree with her that I think, you know, his, his floor is probably higher than Nazer's floor, but I also think Nazer has a super high ceiling too. Um, but it might take him a while to get there. And because he is smaller, everybody's always concerned about that. No matter how many small guys are in the NHL and ripping it up these days, the size is always a concern. And especially even still, when you read about, you know, guys who are bigger, everyone seems to be salivating over their size all the time, even though the league just continues to get faster and smaller every single year. But so yeah, that that was the kind of the big overall surprise to me was just that more was that high. But I mean, to me, I look at it more as a positive for more than a negative for Nazar in just that you know, and everyone saw how excited Davidson was, you know, to to land him in the draft last year, and you know, the rumor was that he was trying to move up the whole time just specifically to go get more. So 
I mean, either way, it's nothing but good things. I was kind of, I guess, a little bit surprised at first that I figured that they would have a top five system. Um, but in looking at the teams that he's put after them, it seems obvious that it's more by the the type of prospect that they have at the top with like Mitchkov and Will Smith and Gauthier and those guys kind of driving the next couple of teams after them. So the fact that, you know, he has them ranked where they are and he has more ranked that high, like that says a lot to me. That's really promising for more and for their system overall. Yeah. Like the Hawks were at number five last season and the number one guy was Korchinski, who's now with the NHL. Uh, Bedard was never on that list. So the fact that you have a, uh, your number one center for the next 15 years, and then a potential top pairing or at least top four defenseman graduated from your system, and you're still number seven in the NHL according to this ranking. It seems like a pretty good thing. Um, just as I, I really quickly, I'll, I scroll down to the bottom here and give you the rundown on where Wheeler had the rest of the Hawks prospects at because uh, it's it's not too many surprises, but. With it's the top three are the first rounders, so it's more Nazer and then Sam Renzel, Lucas Reichel all the way down to four, uh, Ethan Del Mastro at five, then Adam is it Guyan Gajan Guyan yeah Guyan Adam yeah. Guyan the goalie uh, at number six ahead of Drew Camessa, which I that that was another one I thought was interesting. I mean it's six and seven, so it's probably splitting hairs, but just in I mean they're both second round picks, but it was interesting to see Guyan. Ed Camesso, and then Ryan Green, Nick Lardis, Colton Doc, White, Kaiser, Roman Kanserov, Gavin Hayes, Nolan Allen, Isaac Phillips, and Paul Ludwinski at the very bottom of that ranking. Uh, Mill, did you have any thoughts on that before we uh, I, I well, before we dive deeper into those? I mean, the rankings are interesting, but I just say that there's enough room at the Blackhawks NHL level proverbial table for everybody to eat. Yeah. So send them all. <laughs> Because, I mean, maybe we could put those rankings to the test because I think the boys need some help. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And also, too, I want to see these guys compete at, like, a pro-style level. Like, it's it's hard because even though sometimes guys' game translates pretty much, you know, the way you thought it would, it's nice to see them play, so... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like it seems like Sam Renzel is still a season or two away from making the leap. Um, Reichel's obviously had his issues. Ethan Del Mastro's look like he's going to be in Rockford this entire season and maybe makes a jump to the NHL next season. Then the rest of these guys seem like they're probably still at least a season or two away from uh, making. I think Reichel just, he's a sports psychologist. <laughs> I don't, I, I think he has talent. He just needs yeah. to shake the yips. But yeah, it's like, I, th- I think we've been, there's a lot of these names that we've been waiting. It feels like we've been waiting for a while and, um, I think this this is the calendar year where we're going to start to see more than just, you know, start to see some of the more guys who may not be the immediate top line, uh, not like the top 10 picks, like Bedard at one and Korchinski at seven. Like this, this yeah. is where we start to see some of these other guys who've been waiting on for a while to get here. I know I know it's, you know, a lot of it's position and where what league you come from and, and build and age, but it's pretty incredible when you actually put into context Bedard just, coming right in you know yeah and not missing a beat like coming in and being being dominant and there's games where you know he's he's he either doesn't have a shot or you don't see him make that but even just like 
how he came back his first couple of games from the injury. Like even just that is remarkable on its own. And you forget sometimes that he is a child. He is right. 18 years old and he does not have any kind of weapons on his team, you know, outside he's weaponized Nick Felino at this point, which is, <laughs> and he should be getting 10% of that contract as far as I'm concerned. I mean, that's why I'm saying is like, I don't want to take that for granted because I know, I think we're all, anxious to see some of these guys at the pro level. I know I certainly am, but it's also like, that's no, you know, easier said than done. Yeah. Not every kid is Bedard. And we've seen that with Reichel this year, you know, and it could be that, yeah, Nazer comes up and maybe they have him up with the team next year. And maybe he really, you know, he struggles hard. I think, you know, and that we've talked about it a lot, but they just, they need to do a little bit better job of getting help for these guys. So there's not so much <laughs> pressure on them whenever they come up next year no, or no kidding. beyond. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I will, we'll see what happens this summer in terms of that help. But uh, I just wanted to, before we move on to something else, uh, Betsy, was there anything else that stood out to you from the NCAA prospect pool that you wrote about on Tuesday? Um, Just that we've been spoiled by the defensemen that have come through recently. Um, that there, there are obviously going to be some misses. They've taken way more defensemen than any other position. Um since 2016, I want to say, which makes sense because they need to replace the big four, right? <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, still. Yeah, and so you've got, they've got a bunch right now that are in the system that are like AHL and whatever, but Sam Renzel is pretty much the only defenseman in the NCAA right now that's worth anything i don't think they're even gonna sign connor kelly um and aiden thompson not aiden thompson excuse me tage harding um just hasn't done anything at providence um i know there were people that were excited about him because he was doing good in a but like it's not and he's like six foot 83 or something like that. yeah he's another <laughs> yeah um so i just i mean they might i like I, I said in my recap i was like he might still be um they're more, I feel like they're more likely to sign him than Kelly, but that's, uh, they're both in Providence. And it's weird because Kelly plays higher than him, but um, I don't know. Con- Connor Kelly went from being like, maybe he could be offensive and then he just, that never happened. And he's fine defensively, but they have other defense first guys that are better. You know, he's a lesser man's Allen. He's a not as, you know, like that's just, yeah. and those guys are farther along too while being younger. So, um, essentially I'm saying like, be happy with the defensemen we have now because <laughs> yeah. so far I'm not sure there's that many of them. Um, and even Renzel has his little yips. Yeah. Wheeler really likes him too, which I find interesting because sometimes Wheeler gets really upset about guys that don't put the package together, but I guess he was like starting from such a, I don't want to say deficit cause he had all the tools. He just... He had the tools and I didn't know how to use any of them for like pre-draft. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, I, like the, the other name that seems interesting and like, I don't think this is, I think this is something that's come up a lot in our discussions about 
uh, the Blackhawks forward prospect pool is that, you know, I think Nazer and Moore are going to are the only exceptions to this until, but like for a while before those two materialized in the system, like you were looking at all these forwards and you're just like, this doesn't feel like there's any like top, top line or even top six guys here. But one guy who seems like he's having a pretty good season is Ryan Green in Boston. And he's been playing, he's been playing behind Macklin Celebrini. So he's not probably not going to be on the top line because obviously Celebrini, potential future Blackhawk, Macklin Celebrini, has been occupying the top spot. But uh, Green seems like he's been doing pretty well. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, Betsy. And it seems like he might be like, he's might be that decent, like maybe second liner, probably like, Okay, second line guy, but really good third line guy if you have him in the future, ideally. Yeah, I mean, um, it'll be like I think he'll go back for another year um, and possibly take over as the number yes. one, um, which I think will be good for him and it'll be able to really see where he's going because right now he's already a pretty good two way player, um, and this year he's really turned up the offense and the consistency. I was, um, he's only had a couple of. Like he he hasn't had a point in his last three games, but he's only had like one other time that he's gone more than two games without a point. Um, so that consistent level is really nice. Um, and I think I talked about this too, but some of his, I honestly, and I saw other people point this out. He's not selfish enough. Yes. Like sometimes he will, he'll be like, oh, that other person's, in this place or I'm going to go to the board and you need those grunt players, but like he probably could produce more if he was a little bit more held onto the puck a little bit more for himself. Um, Cause he has the instincts to be able to get in um, and score and or pass pretty well. And then, you know, he just needs to, he's gotten better about it, but yeah, you got to teach kids to be a little bit more selfish. Yeah. Well, I think that's a count and that gets even worse if they get to the NHL level, because then like, they might uh, defer to their more veteran teammates thinking yeah. because they don't have, they don't initially have that self-confidence that they can score at the NHL level. So hopefully that becomes uh maybe going back to Boston for another season will be good for him because he will develop that. That like, I, I feel like Scott Van Pelt is where I heard this term called it's competitive arrogance. It's not that you are being selfish and that I'm not going to pass to this teammate it is being selfish in the thought that, I can score this goal, so I'm just going to do it myself. Yeah. Um, so maybe that's something he needs to – he can still develop. So. Yeah. Well, do we have any other Blackhawks thoughts? Because uh, I, I, I'm just about done with my list. Well, I am done with the list of things that I want to talk about this evening. Does anybody have anything else we need to get into before we uh, pivot to, to something else? The only other thing I've seen, and I feel like I've seen it in a couple different places all of a sudden recently, that's just interesting to maybe keep an eye or an ear out for, is all of a sudden, you know, it becoming kind of public knowledge that Davidson is willing to take big, bad contracts so long as they're like 18 months or less. And so I've kind of beaten the drum a couple times that they're going to have to spend money this summer to Mm -hmm. make sure that they get to the floor next year. Um, but maybe not, maybe this is what they end up doing instead. And I mean, the, the, the reference was what they did with Zaitsev last year where they took him and got a second round pick essentially just for taking him off out of his hands. So it, there might be a couple more things like, and essentially that's what they did with Beauvillier this year too, was, you know, cleared some space for Vancouver. So Vancouver could go get Zadorov. Mm-hmm. So 
it's there might be a couple moves like that coming down the pipe. Um, you know, I haven't heard anything about specific players or seen any specific players mentioned, but that's just one other thing that seems to be kind of in the air uh, the last week or so. Yeah, the trade deadline, I believe, is March 8th, which is yeah. next Friday. Yep. So uh, I guess we'll have a pretty quick answer for whether or not the Blackhawks are able to pull like- anything off. Because Go ahead, Betsy. I was about to say, I was like, I like how we're like, it's coming up as if that doesn't matter to us at all. Which <laughs> yeah. Even even last year, it mattered a little bit because we had players to flip, um, obviously. But like, who who to flip? I was reading the Athletics like staff one where they're like one move for every player. And Powers was like, Blackhawks aren't going to do anything. I don't have <laughs> I don't have a move to say. Uh, um, and I was like, at least flip Tyler Johnson. That's you know? that's the only name I can think of. <laughs> yes, it's for and, that little shorty. Come on. I know. Blackwell or Donato, maybe too, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think they'll keep Donato. Well, he has another year, yeah. So, yeah, never mind. I, they, I, they need I, the contract. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that too. Uh, just one other thing I wanted to mention quickly, and I'm, I'm trying to pull this up as we're talking here, but the the website's running a little slowly, uh, so I can't remember the exact numbers. But uh, I, I'm putting together this. We're doing some research on uh, Alex Vlasic and some of the numbers behind his good initial rookie season in the NHL. And one of the, I was searching through defensive pairings and found what I, I can't remember if it was the worst or one of the worst defense pairings in the entire NHL in terms of rates of shots attempts against per 60 minutes at five on five. Anybody got to guess who it is? It's got Tenorti in it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> well, I, want to say, I know what it is because I know the, the I can't I'm not going to guess, but. I know what it is, but it's, is it Tenorti and Phillips? It is Tenorti and Phillips. Yeah. They're yeah. like I'm. I'm. I'm trying to get to work, but the Natural Stat Trick website doesn't seem to want to cooperate with me. But yeah, they were they were one of the worst, and it, it was interesting to see that because then, um, I it was a significantly smaller sample size, and I didn't get too much further into the numbers beyond just that one stat. But um, the Murphy, Murphy and Phillips were really really good in that one statistic. But uh, yeah, the Phillips and Tenority. Oh, here we go. So this is a sample of 235 D pairings in the NHL that have played at least 100 minutes of five on five ice time together. The highest rate of shot attempts against per 60 Tenority and Phillips at 94.77. Second is uh, Mario Ferraro and old friend Jan Ruda, 85.2. So they're well ahead of the field. Um, they're the third worst in expected goal share. They're, uh, just, they're the fourth worst in expected goals against per 60. It's, they have the highest goals against per 60 rates among anybody. Like this is one of the worst pairings in terms of just on ice results in the entire NHL. Um, and, uh, God, I hope this season is the last time we see it because it, it is. I hope we never see Jared, Jared too. <laughs> Like I, well, yeah. we shouldn't. Should I, I like like this. I I feel like this has to be the end of that. He, he's just a placeholder, and the fact that he got two seasons, you know, good for him. He got a few million dollars out of it. Cool. Um, go enjoy your. I do. Your I do NHL think your retirement. Wherever yeah. he's going next, like I, this has to be the end of that. I think I, part of it is uh, 
they keep playing the kids on their offside, thinking, like, obviously, Tenorti's already bad, so you can't play him on his offside. Could you imagine? Um, but, like, Phillips does not, he's not, that is not for him. You know, he's not a, like, apparently, it, maybe if he had a better partner, they could do it, but <laughs> nope, it's not working. They have yeah. so many left-handed guys, so I guess they've got to try them, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I I like Phillips too, but that's just not it's not good for anybody. Get him away from Tenorti. Get everybody away from Tenorti. <laughs> Get him off my screen. <laughs> Hopefully next year. Yeah. Does anybody would anybody care if they brought Magna back? I actually haven't mind Magna all that much. He's he's fine. fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. He, he, yeah, he's body. He exists. Yeah, like it's That's offensive. Then as long as he is his presence on the roster does not take away from the like a, a Del Mastro or a Nolan Allen or even a Wyatt yeah. Kaiser getting ice yeah, at the I, NHL level. At I, some point, Davidson has to take away veteran toys from, <laughs> from um, Richardson because Richardson said this one thing about like how he wants a veteran with every kid at one point, like, like, or he implied it. Um, and I'm like, why, <laughs> why does that matter? Like this is yeah, a way thing. And what is what what is it good to learn from Tenorti? Bad habits, how to be slow, how <laughs> to turn to dust on the ice after you get smoked for the fifth time. Tell, tell me what you really think, Betsy. Those things have been inherited in this organization for the last like five years. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, I, we I'm, need to ditch that. Betsy's right. Get him out yeah. of here. <laughs> at least, at least if they're with the other kids, yeah, they're probably gonna make mistakes. But your job as a coach is to point out why they are mistakes and work with them to fix them. Um, yeah. Nobody's bailing out. Like Tenorti's not yeah. going to bail out when, when a kid with him makes a mistake. No, he's going to be like 20 yards down the way watching the mistake happen. Cause he's not anywhere near the play. Like, they, yeah. And it's just not a good mentorship either. Even if that's the case, like it's not like it's an old veteran who just can't move anymore. Yeah, exactly. It's not like he's imparting his wisdom of like being good at one point in his career. He was a journeyman. This is the first time he's played what more than thirty games in a season, like last year and this year. Yeah, there's a that, reason for that. That that goal that Travis Konechny scored, uh, uh, I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday, the the Flyers game, when Konechny just roasted him. Uh, at it was a new, the neutral zone just skated a circle around him. Like, I think he was trying to dump it in initially fanned on it and then corral the puck and just blew the doors off of Tenority and scored. And like, yeah, that's, that's why, that's why Konechny is who he is. And that's why Tenority is who he is. And uh, yeah, like he's, he's played 189 NHL games in his career and 80 of them are in this season and the prior one with the Blackhawks. So. <laughs> um, I'm sure he is a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. We got there. We got there in the end. But you know what? He's a nice guy. Huge. Like Calvin DeHaan was or McCabe. Yeah. You know, like you could be nice and good. Yeah. Is McCabe <laughs> nice? I'm sure he was. Like, he seemed nice. Like, obviously, he wasn't as nice as. I like Dahan a lot, like both as a player, and he seemed like oh, he yeah, seems like a good yeah. personality on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And in per- like in, like in the interviews, he seemed yes awesome. So like I I liked him a lot. 
Yeah, but no, to Eric's point, Tenorti is huge. He's like 6'6", so whenever you, you see him in, in person, he's he's a large human being. Calvin Hahn's the type of guy who you'd be like, hey, what's the soup du jour? And he'd be like, ice cold beer. <laughs> like, he, he has a brew. You're correct. That's yes. what I'm saying. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I'd be like, uh, show me the way. Uh, I'll, I'll check it out. <laughs> he also, though, like... I don't know. I think he was one of those like collective R guys. Well, he like there's there's certain guys who I really wish would have been around with the team when they were good, and he is like absolutely one of them. Where I wish he would have been like the fifth, sixth defenseman in like 2014 or 2015, because like that would have been awesome. And he just seems like he would have fit in really well with that team too. Then there's the opposite end of the spectrum where there's guys I wish were on those teams just so I could have seen Quenville turn purple while watching them. <laughs> but that's for my own pleasure. You don't think I bet Quinville would have loved Sonority. Uh, uh imagine him. He would have played fucking... him at forward on the power play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no fucking Zadora. No, I think he would have it I think you would have put him in the same category as uh the ghost of uh what's Kim, his... Kim Janssen? No, no. Uh, We're still looking they, for him. Who they traded uh, daily for Scuderi? Um, oh. Sean O'Donnell. Scud Missile. Yeah, Scud. Yeah, like even <laughs> even even people were like, "Oh, I get why Bowman did that because that's the type of." Play. And then Bowman was like, "He's terrible. I'm not playing." You know, like he played him very little. Um, I think Tenorti would be in that camp. Obviously, Q liked uh, defenders, but there's a difference between Roosevelt slow but still good at he, what he does. Like, he makes up for it by being smart. You'd get frustrated when he got burned, but he'd still make good plays otherwise, you know? Like, you could understand why he was there. There's no understanding, Richard Right. Well, Roosevelt, too, I mean, probably lost a step when he broke his ankle, but when he was younger and not a hawk, he could move a little bit. I mean, yeah. he uh, killed them on Arizona. He was good. Like, uh, people He's a got, heads-up player. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. Was, he, he made up for it by being smart. And also the, the NHL wasn't quite as yeah. fast. Yeah, he um, wasn't getting burned because he was an idiot. He was getting burned because he couldn't skate as fast. I get what you're saying. Yeah, and then and Q knew how to play him, you know, like where to play him and like Oh wow, sheltered stone zone starts and matchups. Can you I know imagine? exactly? <laughs> so but Tenorti, even with sheltering and that shit is not good. Um that's just just a fact. There's a reason he was a fucking journeyman. <laughs> the lie detector determined that you are telling the truth. There are, well, like, let's there's, there's let's one, just hope the journey continues after yeah, this no, away season. from away from us. There's yeah. one there's one guy in the comments who the the raise but not not ra- like raise not, not raise to the rafters. <laughs> yeah, um, who is like super anti Richardson, and I understand some of their arguments. Um, and if they would just if they would bring it up in relation to Nordy, I would like just black out and be like, "Yes, I understand. Fire him." And then every other time, I'm like, "Wait, calm down." Like, <laughs> but, Unfortunately, I look at the pile of dribble in the lineup, and I'm like, "Who do you want to coach this?" Yeah, exactly. I'm like, "Yeah, okay." But then, not Jeremy Collins. But That's then you, yeah. But then oh, the bane certain, of my existence. Yeah, certain things and certain names and like certain situations is like. A fucking red, Kate, like 
cape to me and I'm like a bull going, I'm going to fuck you up. I hate <laughs> you. Fire him. Well, there's a certain level of blind, either optimism or pessimism that we all kind of roll our eyes at either way. But when someone hits like a true point, I think we all kind of were like, oh, yeah, you get it. <laughs> all right. Let's uh, yeah. yeah, we're done with uh, Be- Betsy's uh, Tenority tirade of the week. So that's the nice He's a nice guy. All right. Well, then, really quickly, let's uh, reclaim our mantle as the best blue themed hockey podcast on the internet. And I saw this tweet. It was about, I think it was about a month ago at this point now, because I saw it. Or, okay. It was a whole nine days ago. Wow. Time flies, doesn't it, folks? Um, but anyway, uh, saw this tweet as from Mina Kimes, who's on uh, ESPN, one of the NFL reporters. And I wish there were somebody that would like, the, the way they do NFL coverage on, on ESPN, sometimes I wish they would do the NHL that way because the show that she is on is incredible for football dorks, and I wish they had a hockey dork show, uh, but they don't. But anyway, um, so this the, the take here from her is uh, there are too many kinds of apples right now. Not saying we should just go back to red, but the number of options is confusing. Around five types of apples is enough. And there's a follow-up in here that I'll have to track down that someone mentioned, cause I, I wasn't aware that there were this many apples. Like it's, it's insane. What that, what we have done. Like, <laughs> I mean, I put this all list in our Slack so you could, everyone can see this. Maybe I'll, I'll share it with the class in the, uh, the comment section of the article for this podcast, but I haven't even heard what the fuck's a Snapdragon apple. Have you, have you ever, a have Macau you ever seen, Envy? there's, there's like mom, TikTok. Some, uh, I am not, I am not on mom talk. I'm not normally either, but like, um, I have, it obviously curates for people. And unfortunately I'm at that age where. Is it single mom talk or. (laughs) No, (laughs) I'm just. I'm at that that age where like people my age are also having, are like procreating. And I'm like, okay, um, life choice. That's yours. Um, Got bad bad news for you, Betsy. It's not going to get better. (laughs) <laughs> and so, you know, they're obviously whoever you follow that that impacts your your algorithm too and all that kind of stuff. But one of the things that pops up are jokes that are mom and dad jokes and all that kind of stuff. And one of them that pops up fairly regularly is like food you give to your kids versus food you eat as a parent. And one of the jokes is about apples. They'll be like, it'll be a it'll be a wife being like, You gave the honey crisp to the kids? Those are our apples. You give them the Granny Smith ones. <laughs> you know, we give them the the like basic ones, the ones that are it's essentially the cheaper ones. Um yeah. give them the Macintosh, you know, like <laughs> don't give them the gala. I feel oh. personally attacked right now in my household, Betsy. Yeah, because <laughs> you have that, children or because that's how them. that's how accurate it is. Yes, we buy different types of apples. Some of them are for our kids and yeah, some of kids, them are for kids us. Are, kids don't care. No, they don't. They absolutely do not care. When you're an adult, you're like, I want a better. If I'm going to spend money, I'm going to get the better one for myself, of course. All right. I don't know. I just go to Aldi and I'm like, do you have green? (laughs) That'll be good. If not, I'll take a red or maybe a yellow. All right. Well, well, let's let's get into this a little bit then. Uh, Eric, since this sounds like it was fresh in your uh, in your home. Like, what is the good apple? Um, My wife loves Honeycrisp. Yeah. So yeah, we get we get Honeycrisp pretty often. We get Fuji's pretty often too. Fuji's Gala's Honeycrisps. Um, somebody, one of my friends, because this is what you talk about when you're old. Um, he was over and he's like, "No, you guys got to get on the Cosmic Crisps once a year, like <laughs> limited limited edition." 
It's like a honey crisp hybrid apple. So yeah, we tried those this year and those are pretty good too, but they're a little bit yeah. more tart. Um, Apple's supposed to be a fruit. You give me something called cosmic. It sounds like a cereal. Pink oh, ladies are good too. Like, it's just like I even remember a couple of years ago, it seemed like, and maybe this is just because of where we lived, but honey crisps, you could get them one time a year. Now it's like year round. Mm-hmm. You can get them all the time. They have them all the time. It used to only be in the fall. They're very, they're very popular because of, so if you look like, again, it's all from mom talk, but uh, the shopping habits of millennials and Gen Xers, when it comes to that type of variety, they are buying sweeter, more expensive, like apples and other, t- like other fruit, you know, like dragon fruit is a lot more popular than it used to be. Like you'll see it a lot more in um, stores than like, w- like when you were a kid, did you ever see a fucking dragon fruit? No. Um, but it's pretty common now. It's at a free, it's that you go to Aldi and you're going to get some, but um. Yeah, I love you go into an Atlanta Whole Foods and there's like two rows of apples, like the giant long um, rows where you're just picking them out. Yeah, that's uh, I, I, I think I agree with the theme of the of the take, though, that there there are just I didn't half of these apple things I've never heard of. So, apple. well, there's a very interesting or? story that goes in that that I remember reading and I looked it up while we were talking before. So there's this dude and his name is Tom Brown and he is the modern day Johnny Appleseed. He is a retired chemical engineer and he's been, he's like resurrected hundreds of different varieties of apples that like went extinct. Like he's gone back and he's figured out a way to like germinate old seeds. So he has like 1200 varieties of apples at his orchard. And he's like single-handedly resurrected like 700 of them on his own. These were things that would never exist. So look, Tom, I don't need this. I just need like (laughs) three or four options. Really? I just need gala apples. That's all I need. I don't, I don't need any of these other ones. Just give me my gala apples and I'm good. Go get some honey crisp because they're better than gala. There we go. This is the real food take here now. Yeah. I like gala. The argument about which apple is the best. Uh, it's weird because I think Gala is usually more expensive than uh, Fuji, which might be because there's less of them. But um, somebody in those those replies were like, Red Delicious can go because Red Delicious is the traditional red. Like um, give your teacher an apple, apple, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, like back in the day and you're like, when you say red or green, Red Delicious is the red and Granny Smith was the green. Um, yes. Uh, which I can agree. That's that's. Fine. I feel like Red Delicious is mostly about presentation because those ones just look the best. But they like I don't know. There's something about the uh, the skin on those I never tasted right yeah, to me. Yeah, there's something. It's fruit like the whole. It's like waxy. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. so waxy. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I haven't had all of these different ones. I but I'm actually surprised at how many of them I have had. The only one I don't like, I don't think I've ever even seen is the one that's called the, that middle one, Mac, Macoon? McCowan? 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 I don't know. Josh, Josh McCowan? And uh, autumn, I don't think I've ever had an Envy before either. What's an Autumn Glory one? That just sounds like a. I've, def- I've had that one. Is it, That sounds like it should be a red, white, and blue <laughs> Confederate flag marketed uh, brand of apples. This is Autumn Glory. 
If they didn't label them in the store, though, some of them I couldn't pick out. Oh, yeah. They no look way. identical to each other. Uh, and I I could pick out uh, Fuji, but that's just because they're, they're more striped. Um, but yeah. Any of the uh, ones that are crossbred with yellow are good. Okay. Uh, Mill, I don't believe we got your... Uh, what's, what's your go-to Apple brand? Or breed or species or whatever we're calling this i don't know i i I mostly so like i buy green apples which i guess would be granny smith they're kind of sour yeah okay um i think that growing up in my household my dad was always more green my mom likes red delicious so we had both and then sometimes whatever else was in season and i always gravitated towards more like bitter so that's what I'll buy, but I'll eat any apple as long as it's like fresh. <laughs> Again, you probably would like Honeycrisp. It's the perfect between. I like them like pretty bitter, and sometimes I eat like a lot of peanut butter with them. So it, I don't know. I'll have to try to pair them with that. It's, it's got apples, but they're the best. I mean, I, I'm not gonna. I have no. <laughs> let me say this. If it's as long as it's not rotten, I have no hill to die on. I will eat any apple. I'm not. I'm. I'm very indifferent. Um, I a, eat a lot. There's a smitten apple, and a jazz apple, an ambrosia apple. When they make a blue one, come find me. There's there, blue bananas that are supposed was, to taste like ice cream. Where all, the fuck can I get that? <laughs> no yeah, way. You guys had the, the grapes that taste like cotton candy. There's I have them in my fridge right now. They're great. Those are I, when I worked for Costco, and those would come in. People would go crazy. There's at least like twelve different types of bananas, too. Like if anybody's ever looked that up, I buy a lot of no, frozen no, fruit, I so I don't know. <laughs> I'm kind of behind. Jesus, most people no, eat uh, the one the one that's like Cadavish, Cavendish, or whatever, or apple bananas. Um, so. I want the blue ice cream one now. What the hell? The blue Java? Blue Java, yeah. Where can I get that? You can buy trees. Like those, There's companies that will sell you trees online, but I have never seen them anywhere. And my dad actually used to sell produce. And so I asked once, and he's like, no, it's, it's really hard to get those in America. And I figured somebody would import them at some point, and they probably do. Wasn't there I'm weird just, things, too, with like the banana spiders and stuff? Probably, yeah. Like, there's, I don't know too much about it, but I've talked to people about that before with like um, importing. And I know there's weird things we probably don't think about. Absolutely. And especially when you're bringing over a ton of stuff at once, it's not like somebody's doing quality control and going through every single bushel of fruit to make sure nothing else travels with it. So, (laughs) yeah, no kidding, right? What a job that that would be. Isn't that how arachnophobia starts? Uh, Probably. I don't remember. I can't remember. It's been a long time. Uh, you need to go to like to like South America to get a bunch of these like the different types of bananas. They're just not as popular in South America. Um, duly noted. Okay. <laughs> um and then there there's bananas that are like specifically for like cooking, um, like plantains. I I don't even know if you can eat a plantain raw. They're so weird, yeah. I eat a lot of bananas, to be honest with you guys. Like, I probably eat one every day. Be good for you. Yeah. Apples are, you know. Yeah, apple a day. <laughs> I eat apples too, but like, um, 
bananas, like I feel like it's easy to grab and you can drive with it. Oh, you, uh, apple you can too. Um, but I like to cut my apples up and put peanut butter on them. Strawberries are the superior fruit and then oranges. Absolutely. But, Absolutely. but oranges are also the biggest like bait and like hit or miss. You either have the best, absolute best orange you've ever had in your life or the worst. Like it's I, uh, super delicious or there's, you know, it's like, what the fuck is this? I buy a lot of frozen fruit to throw in like protein shakes. So all the berry varieties are all in my freezer right now. Strawberries are the best. <laughs> all right. Well, we've got we've got middle into uh, remember some berries territory. So I think <laughs> that means I think that means it might be time to wrap this up. Is there any berries that played for the Hawks? There was a uh, Barry Smith, that one coach that they uh, kept uh, throwing out. That uh, they threw him out during. They they put him on the ice to run the Blackhawks power play and didn't tell Quinville about it, and Quinville went ape shit about it. <laughs> Good times. Yeah. Oh, that was like Bowman's guy from uh-huh. Detroit who mm-hmm. looked like Skeletor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yes. Exactly. That's funny. Good Perfect. shit. Okay. Perfect That's a good end. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there's a, there's some house games coming up, by the way. Uh, Thursday night against the Avs, Saturday against the Blue Jackets, Monday and Tuesday next week against the Avs in Colorado. And then uh, they'll be back at the. Uh, out in the desert Tuesday playing at a college stadium because that's where the Coyotes play. So we'll probably be talking to you sometime uh, later next week when the Hawks have three days off. Um, but that's going to do it for this episode of Musings on Madison. Thank you very much to everyone listening to this podcast. Thanks to Mill, Eric, and Betsy for hanging out this evening. And we will talk to you next week. You taste it! You taste it!